It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We are coming up on the trade deadline. It is almost that time, and the Magic have a lot to look at and a lot to think about. We're going to talk all about it on today's Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is January 21st, 2022. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. To, on today's episode, we're going to dive right into it, bring in our guy, Keith Smith from Spotrack. Keith, welcome to the show. Uh, our production levels have gone up since the last time you've been, been here. I like it. Man, it looks good. I, I, I appreciate I appreciate that that Keith. Um, sorry if there's uh, some sk- some skipping uh, with with Keith. Uh, you know, internet being what it is. Um, but Keith, um, let's just dive right right into things here. Um, you know, the trade deadline is now what three weeks away. Uh, we're getting we're getting to the nitty gritty here. Um, the Magic have this nice little homestand. But so before we dive into what the Magic are going to do at the trade deadline, um, you know, we know you watch the Magic a little bit. Your your main your main job is obviously watching the league uh, from the salary cap perspective. You're a Celtics guy as well. But um, being here in Orlando, what have been your impressions of the Orlando Magic so far? Obviously, it's the first year of a rebuild, so expectations are a little bit lower. But what have you seen from this Magic team coming from sort of an outsider's perspective? Yeah, more or less what was to be expected, I, I think, this year. The injuries have really been tough because, you don't, especially uh, Jalen Suggs, I think that's the worst one of all that he had to miss so much time because he was getting all the minutes he could handle. And when he got hurt, he was really starting to figure it out. And that, that was the really disappointing part was he was really starting to – Carter being in and out, Mobamba, uh, that's been tough. And of course, we haven't even seen Markel Fultz or Jonathan Isaac play at all yet. So, you know, that that's, I think, the disappointing part of this. Record-wise, basically what I expected. I thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the league, and they have been. Uh, but Franz Wagner's been a lot of fun. You know, I think better than most people, except maybe the uh, most uh, biggest uh, Franz Wagner fans in the world, uh, maybe expected. Uh, I, I think uh, Cole Anthony has taken major leaps in his game as far as uh, uh, rounding out his game a little. Talked with somebody the other day because they said, does this team have any hope at all? And I said, 
Yeah, they do. You just got to look a little deeper. You, you can't, you, if you focus on the top line, you're going to be really, you know, kind of underwhelmed. If you go a little deeper, you're going to feel pretty good about what, what Orlando looks like. Yeah. And, and, and I, th- I think that's important to note. I mean, everyone around the team will tell you that, you know, the, re- the record isn't how they're being judged. Now, like ultimately, yes, I, I think Magic fans should expect and want to see some wins toward the end of the season, even, uh, not necessarily at the expense of their draft position. Um, you know, I think they're doing their work to give themselves plenty of cushion at that right now. They got a four game lead on the Pistons for the, for the number one spot in the lottery standings. Um, but, uh, but I, I do think that, that Orlando seen some good individual improvement, uh, some good kind of progress from some guys. And, and yes, they're still waiting on players to come back from injury. Um, you know, we're expecting Markel Fultz back here. It feels like any day now, um, the magic of a nice little five game homestand to, maybe bring him back. Um, Isaac's probably a little bit further behind him, but you know, I think Jeff Waltman's made it clear. They want both of them to play. Uh, they want both of them. Uh, they they got to see what they have in both of them before they continue on in this thing. Um, obviously though, you tell kind of casual magic fans about that. Um, and they, you know, like I, I, interactions I've had with fans have said, well, that it needs to be faster. It's been 10 years of this thing. Um, but I do think you have to make a distinction between, the rebuilding job that Rob Hennigan did and now the rebuilding job that Jeff Weltman's trying to do. Um, but you know, that being fresh in our, in our minds, uh, I, I think a lot of magic fans are, are cognizant of the mistakes that Rob Hennigan made um, in that rebuild, you know, for maybe from what you, what you, what you've seen or what you've gathered, what, what, what is the big mistake that Hennigan maybe made or that the, the Hennigan rebuild made that would concern you about this magic team right now? Is it just about, you know, just about, you know, not making losing a habit or, or, you know, kind of pushing to win more, or is is there something else? Is there something else? Or is this just how it has to be until, you know, they decide it's, it's time to start putting expectations on these guys. I think the mistake was going in on trying to win a little too early. I don't think they were ready for that. I don't think, I think they liked guys like Vooch and Fournier and Gordon push this forward and really try to win. And I think they went too early. I think the Ibaka for Oladipo trade was in in retrospect, clearly short-sighted, but I didn't necessarily love it at the time. And then some of the signings, the rest of that off season just didn't make a ton of sense. And in that, that I think was the part where really this was, they just went too early. And I think Waltman and Hammond are not going to do that. I think, uh, them getting the contract extensions that they got was a week or so ago now was huge because it says a couple things. One, it says you got this where we're committed to you. See it through, uh, you know, the way you think this should be seen through. There's no pressure to try to win next season or the year after. I think the other thing it also did too, is let's say in a year or two, they're ready to, all right, we're going to start taking our steps forward. We're going to kind of make a Cleveland like jump here. What you can do is when you're out pitching to free agents or you're trying to trade for a guy or whatever, when you're having a conversation with that player and their agent, hey, we're here for the long run. You don't have to worry about signing here. And then the next guy comes in and be like, I didn't sign him. See you later. I can trade him off. And that that's huge too. So having that stability is really, I think, going to help. And that that's a big offset where I felt like there was – I felt like Rob Hennigan and staff almost in a way became the fall guys for – you. Rebuild this 
through here to see it through on the other side. Yeah. I mean, and then obviously I think, well, I mean, the, the, the ownership group, you know, whether it's the DeVos family, whether it's Alex Martins, I, I don't think they would have approved of this rebuild if they didn't, if they weren't going to extend Weltman and Hammond yeah. and br bring that stability because um, their contracts were expiring. Um, and, and certainly you don't trade an all-star like Nikola Vucevic uh, for the package that they got for him without that assurance. Um, you know, again, because these guys have jobs, like, you know, the, the, the things that Rob Hennigan did to try and speed things up, that was because there was pressure for him to deliver. There was, you know, mm -hmm. you know, there was a, a little bit, you know, maybe he was in patience, maybe it was the right kind of patient, right, right kind of patience there. Um, considering it was what I think three, four years through the rebuild, they had some nice draft picks, they had some nice players, and they weren't coalescing on the court quite yet. Um, you know, there there might have been a little bit more pressure on Rob Hennigan to save his job with doing those moves, and that's 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 when you make mistakes, frankly, as as when GMs feel that kind of pressure um, and and try to speed things up faster than they go. I tell people all the time, don't compare rebuilds; they all work at their at their own at their own pace. Um, before we we talk a little bit about the deadline, then. Um, it feels like for the Magic, though, the next big piece, you know, aside from bringing back Fultz, bringing back Isaac, who are both very good players, starter-level players, the next big piece and what everything is is sort of going to revolve around when we get to the offseason um, is this draft pick um, coming up. Whether, you know, again, whether it's one, two, three, four, um, you know, we got the news about the, 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 the kid from Kentucky who was, I think, reclassified for the 2022 draft. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we obviously, you know, know we're learning a lot more about Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Banchero, as well as guys like Jaden Ivey. Um, how important for a rebuilding team is this draft pick coming up as far as not even necessarily speeding the process along, but just kind of getting the process going in the right direction or keeping the process going in the right direction? Yeah, I think even though he got off to a bit of a slow start, I think the Magic hit a home run in the last draft with Suggs and Franz Wagner. Now your hope is the next guy really adds to that. And that becomes, all right, now we're really going to start seeing this thing move forward quicker than expected. And maybe it opens some things up as far as, all right, maybe we can look at a trade we didn't expect for one of the guys who's a little deeper into their career. Maybe, maybe they do say, or you know what, Jonathan Isaac, we can get a nice return and we're going to move because we have now the power forward of the future because we we landed that guy in the draft. So I think it's important that, one, it wasn't the worst year in the world to kind of bottom out. And two, now you got to nail it, though, because otherwise you're going to be in big, big trouble if you don't. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and especially small market teams. I mean, I, I think the Magic have been victims of poor drafting in the past. Um, you know, the Tracy McGrady years, you know, those, those years are very, very different if they don't draft Gerald Sasser, Stephen Hunter, Ryan Humphrey, um, you know, even the Otis Smith years, you know, you look, you think back 2009, where would the magic be if they didn't draft a, a player like Courtney Lee, where would the magic be if they didn't take Daniel Orton with the 29th pick and, and were able to bring in even a role player um, who was capable. I know, I know Otis Smith did not have the greatest reputation a, as a draft preparer and, when, you, when you're in a small market, you have to be good at the draft. I mean, I, I, the biggest criticism of Jeff Weltman, and I think it's a completely fair criticism, even though I understand the logic that Weltman had in his in some of his drafting strategy, punting on the 25th pick. You know, a lot of fans point to Kyle Kuzma as a guy they could have taken there, um, the 25th pick in 2018 or 2019, uh, 2018, um, when they could have taken Kyle Kuzma. Um, they they had, took Anses Pesechniks, uh, traded him to Philadelphia. Um, trading Taylor Horton Tucker for cash uh, with the second round pick. Uh, I believe that was in 20, 2019 as well. Um, those, those are missed opportunities. And when you're in a small market, you do have to hit them.
sponsor a quick word from our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond in football, and of course, the playoff race heating up here in the NBA. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 calendar year. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Don't forget to thank you for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, whether you're your first listen of the day, whether you're listening to us on the way to tonight's Magic game. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. For your next lesson, check out the Locked On Now podcast with nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel today. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. But... You are you're not a draft guy. You're here uh, because you know the salary cap stuff. You know the, what's going on in the NBA. Uh, we are three weeks away from the NBA trade deadline, and I think a lot of us are expecting the Magic to be really active again. Um, you know, maybe not as active as they were last year. It would um, be they hard have to some, <laughs> yeah. But they they have some interesting guys that I think are going to get a lot of buzz uh, on the trade market. Um, Terrence Ross and Gary Harris have both had you know they both struggled at the start of the year, but they've come on really really strong. Uh, over the course of the last month or so, um, what 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 do you think is the market value for those two guys, and and what should the Magic be looking for uh, in trading away one of these veteran players? Yeah, I think it, it's a different market for each of them because I think Gary Harris, your hope is you're going to find a team that needs a guy who can really hold his own defensively, and is showing signs of getting back to being the offensive player he was in Denver. He again started off a little rough. His Magic tenure, I think, the end of last year was a just complete mess, and then this year started off kind of messy. And I think now he's starting to come come around and, and looking a little bit more like the guy. I think that's also helped as the players around him have started to play a little bit better. It's freed him up to play off those guys some more, and I think that's really helped him. Um, so for a guy like Gary Harris, the benefit is he's an expiring contract, so you may have a team that says, "But we can go get this guy. He can." With us, push us over the top and off we go. So that's where I think you're going to see maybe a team try to go get a Gary Harris. Terrence Ross has the benefit of 
His contract's very movable. It's a very reasonable number uh, for him both this year and next year. And some teams may look at that as, that's a benefit that we get two years out of him because we're going to get the rest of this year plus next year. Plus Terrence Ross is one of the more plug and play players in the league. Wherever he goes, he's going to come off the bench. She's going to play about points and what he is. That's what he does. And that's perfectly fine. And every team at every single trade deadline ever has always been, if we can get a little more shooting on the wing, let's go get it. Now he can't, you're not going to get the Vooch return of, you know, multiple first round picks. You're not going to even get the uh, Aaron Gordon return of a good, uh, promising young player in, in a pick. You're probably going to get somewhere in between that and the Fournier return. Maybe if a team gets desperate enough for either one of those guys, they throw you that top 20 protected first round pick or something, or maybe you might get a player that really needs a change of scenery where the magic could help them with, especially Gary Harris's. They wanted to say, Hey, that guy you have that makes 25 million. We'll take him because we know you don't really want him, but that's, but you have to add to the return we're getting. And so instead of a second round pick, give us a, lottery protected first round pick and we'll take a little bit of bad money and that's one way you can use harris as a actually because the magic are in position to do that so i think those two guys are probably the two that'll return the the best return even if you're not going to be jumping up and down and going crazy like oh my gosh look at uh, how stacked we are with draft picks going forward like we were a year ago yeah, and and I think Magic fans should definitely temper their expectations. Um, the reporting out there is that the Magic are looking for a first for both. Uh, I think we're still in a the Magic don't leak anything, so that's probably not coming <laughs> yeah. from the Magic to begin with. But B, we're also probably still with three weeks to go uh, in posturing mode. In yep. uh, in uh, you know, no one's really moving. You know, you know. Yes, we've seen some trades happen over the last few days, but that's not typically how this works. That's not typically. Um, how this game game gets played. Everyone waits till the deadline. So everyone's going to be holding on tight. Um, you know, whether the Magic are able to get a first round pick or not, um, you know, uh, you know, whether they end up, you know, kind of taking on some some salary flotsam or, or some unnecessary pieces or a guy that they eventually buy out, um, sort of like everyone thought they might with Otto Porter last year. Um, I, I do think it's worth noting and, and worth taking some consideration um to the fact that these are the two veterans on the team. Um, you know, yes, the Magic have Robin Lopez, uh, but, you know, Gary Harris and Terrence Ross are probably the most consequential veterans on the team. Uh, for, for such a young roster, should the Magic be, a, you know, yes, there's asset management and all that stuff, but should the Magic be at all hesitant about letting these two veteran guys who, you know, seem somewhat bought into what the Magic are doing, that they're not causing any problems, they're not, you know, checked out or anything with this group, should there be any concern about letting veteran players like that go? Uh, yeah, I think so. Cause I think what well, you, you're not in a position where got to go take whatever we can get for your guy. And off we, we move um, because of that value that they bring in the locker room and to the team as uh, you know, as you said, as veteran voices for a very young roster. Otherwise uh, they, they are also, you know, uh, two guys who've been a part of winning quite a bit in their careers. Um, so that that's also important too, because they know what it takes, you know, down the stretch. It's, it's been pretty rare that one of the two, if not both are, are not on the floor at the end of games when they're available. And that's why it's because, you know, we say this all the time, organizations may tank, but coaches and players don't, um, especially not in game. And if you're in a close game at the end and you're trying to win, 
one of those two is usually on the floor, if not both of them, when they're available. And that that's because they know what it takes at the end. Now, what you can look at it and say is, hey, as those guys move out, maybe each one more is ready to step in and be more of that veteran voice because he's actually back going and playing. Uh, maybe maybe that's something where Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac can take on a more active role as uh, team leaders for, for these younger guys. And you hope that's where it goes. And then you also maybe you acquire a veteran back in that kind of deal, much like you did with Harris. Maybe you get a similar-ish player as far as a career trajectory goes uh, who could come in and, and kind of provide that, uh, you know, hey, I can help here in the locker room with everybody. So, But, yeah, it shouldn't just be a, you know, trade them both for whatever you can get for them because they're not necessarily in that position, especially so with Ross because you have that second year. Harris, that's a little trickier because he's probably not coming back next year just based on – the amount of money he'd make where he is in his career in the depth that the magic have at that position. Yeah. And I was, I was just about to ask, you I know, it's become a, a little bit of a popular idea among magic fans um, uh, of the potential of bringing back Gary Harris. Um, you know, they, they have, well, we'll talk a little bit more about how the magic set themselves up for next summer here in a bit, but uh, the magic have the cap room if they want for, to do pretty much whatever they want to do this, sure. this off season, if, if they want, but um, you know, it, it does seem like Harris is ripe to be moved and, 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 and maybe, you know, if they end up not moving him, maybe even a chance to get bought out so he can go play with a playoff team from, from everything that I've heard. And, and I'm sure you've uh, tell me if you've heard any different, Jeff Weltman has been kind of a player's guy. Um, when, when he says, you know, from everything that I understand about how the magic and how Jeff Weltman operates, when he tells a player something, he delivers on it. He does it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the Nikola Vucevic trade, it was a surprise to all of us, but uh, I think Nikola Vucevic even acknowledged publicly that that had been something that he and Jeff had been discussing for a while. Um, and, and again, it just feels like Waltman's the kind of guy that delivers that, that, you know, he, yeah, he wants players to trust him. He wants agents to trust him. And you do that by doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. He, from day one has talked about their people first and players second. And, and I, I, believe that you know, we hear that a lot but i believe that with uh the way orlando you know approaches everything whether it be jeff weltman john hammond matt lloyd they they really do care about these guys as individuals and want to make sure that they're in a good place i mean aaron gordon has also said too that they really were hey if we're going to do this we're going to make sure you get somewhere that's good for you you know going forward uh, evan fournier as well uh when he got to the celtics last year he talked about you know i Never really thought I'd leave Orlando, and I thought we were all going to be there, you know, for the long term. And he goes, but when it came time, it was, hey, we have this opportunity. What do you think? And they don't have to do that. They can say, nope, best deal for us. See you later. We don't really care. Off you go. And a lot of GMs operate that way, and players do get it to some extent, right? They understand, hey, we're paid millions of dollars, and if they want to trade us somewhere, they do. But for the most part, you get the players come back on the backside of it and say, you know, Boy, but when they treat me right, that really means something. And then when the agent knows how well you treat them or players all talk to each other, those those are big things. So I do think if Gary Harris goes somewhere or is bought out, it'll be done fully with him having at least some level of involvement. It's not just going to be, hey, we're trading you off to Oklahoma City. I mean, it wouldn't make sense anyway because the Magic certainly <laughs> don't need to dump salary. But, but it's not just going to be, hey, we're dumping you on this team and see you later. Thanks for you know, everything you did, it'll, it'll be, you know, more of a, Hey, this makes sense for you. And it really makes sense for us moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into a few other issues here too, but the last, the last player, I think to talk about, uh, head of the deadline, 
um, is is Mo Bamba. Um, we're obviously talking a day after he had a career high game, <laughs> you know, career high game. Um, let's not talk about the second half of that game in any any way, shape, or form. But um, you know, Mo is a former six overall pick. That talent doesn't just go away. He's got career highs in both po- scoring and rebounding this year. Now that he's finally got some some real playing time behind him. Um, what does Mo's market look like? Is he a player that the Magic sh- would consider trading, should consider trading? Is there anyone out there who would want him? Are his restricted free agent rights valuable at all? Yeah, that would peg because on one hand, if you're an opposing team, you look at it and say, well, you already paid Wendell Carter. You, it's cute that you're playing them both together this year, but when you're ready to win, you can't play them both together. That's probably not a workable thing for, you know, as many minutes as a magic hat. So that's going to be the leverage you're holding is, you know, well, what do you, what, what, you know, how highly do you think of him if you sign to the other guy? But I think on the flip side, you're looking at it and saying, you know, there's just something there. He can block shots. He can his rebounding is not great, but it's it's better than it has been. Um, and he can shoot with range. So that really starts to become, this starts to look like a five you can put on an awful lot of teams and fit them in pretty easy. Now, I think what you have to factor in if you're the Magic is, what is our long-term plan? Uh, the top of the draft features a kind um, you know, where, where, if that's where we're going, where are we going to go with that? Uh, you know, we, we've got all this depth in the backcourt, uh, you know, but is it really, do you have to look at it and say, are, you know what, we're going to move on from Mo because we got to rebalance some stuff out here. And if that's your decision, then, then, then you, you have to be rock solid in it and say, we're going to do it. I think it's also important to know he was one of Weltman and Hammond's picks. And it came from one of their own guys drafted. That, that's, that's not something we see uh, done all that easily in the NBA. Uh, and if you're another team, it could be nice to have his restricted rights because then you control the process this offseason. It's not just a, hey, we got him for a half a season and go because I don't know that he has. He's not that kind of player that's going to lift a team in a title contention um, or really plus up their bench. But if you're a team that's, you know, let's say you're a year or two ahead of the magic in the curve. Maybe look at it and say, hey, we can get this guy, um, get him in with centers a position of need for us. We can bring him in. We can resign him to a reasonable contract this offseason because I don't know that anybody's going to be beating down his door with major offers or anything like that. And off we go. I think he's actually a pretty good candidate to uh, maybe just sign the qualifying offer, play it out one more year, go into unrestricted free agency. And that's the last part. I'll say if you're Orlando, maybe you're okay with that being the process here too. Yo, let, let it play out, throw them in the mix with all the rest of your guys and figure it out. Because the reality is, as much as we'd like to say this team's right, this is this is a two uh couple more years of you know, uh this you're just looking for that incre- incremental move forward. And maybe Bama can still be a part of that. Yeah, and I and I think that's that's important to know too, that you know, that the you know. We'll talk a little bit more about how the Magic will be looking at this trade deadline uh, with, with the summer in mind and what they might be planning for the for the offseason. Um, but part of that is the Magic are in a position where, you know, if Bamba ends up with like a three-year, $42 million deal or, you know, you know somewhere somewhere in that range, if that's the offer sheet that he gets, that's something they can afford. Like they, mm-hmm. they're, 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 you know, I'm sure you can attest to this. Their cap sheet is really clean. They don't have a lot of long-term money tied up. I mean, 
Isaac will have three more years. Fultz will have two more years. Carter will start his four-year deal. They're not paying anybody right now. Um, you know, with Gary Harris off the books, I think Jonathan Isaac will, will be the highest paid player on the team next year. Um, they, yep. they, they will have some money to throw around, but before we get to the off season and kind of, kind of putting that in, in the background of all this, the magic do have one more tool that they can use at the deadline. It's a tool that I, I don't know what they're going to do with, honestly. Um, the $17 million trade exception they got in the Evan Fournier deal. How can the magic is going to be on the table for, for the team? Um, and you know, what kind of players could teams be looking to park with? Orlando using that trade exception or is it just something they're just going to have to let last because there isn't a, a smart deal out there for them yeah so they're not like Oklahoma City who's potentially sitting on 34 million dollars in cap space at the trade deadline which is just bananas um they but that's 17 sure, agents love that what's that I'm sure the agents love that yeah right um but the for the magic they're about 22 ish million or so under the luxury tax regular salary and clearly you cannot go into the tax that's that is a no-go you you cannot pay the tax for for the team with the worst record in the league but what you could do at this point is you could go into it and say hey you need a third team in to help you facilitate a trade because there's a 10 to 15 million dollar player that you don't really want we're here but you're gonna have to pay us with either a draft pick or a you know, young player or both maybe um, in that to, to, to do that. So that that's how you use that right now. If you're the magic is you do that to help facilitate a trade that you're probably not directly involved in almost like what Boston did uh, the, the other day with Juancho Hernan Gomez, they were able to use one of their smaller trade exceptions to eat a couple deals, get off extra money and go. That's where these trade exceptions really come into play is you can really do things you wouldn't be able to do otherwise because the magic can be sitting there saying, oh, hey, $15 million player, but you don't want Terrence Ross. You don't want Gary Harris. Great. We can still take him anyway, but you got to pay us to do it. And I think that's where that'll come into play. Now, in order to do that, they got to get to an open roster spot. You know, and but that's something you you figure out and you you know you 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 work through as you need to uh, as you get there. But yeah, I I I don't know that they're going to push overly hard to use it, but I do think there's a good chance that they'll use that trade exception uh, when all is said and done. Could could uh, in that sense, could the Magic be a team that you know poaches a player or is able to poach someone off of a Miles Turner trade or even the even the you know Ben Simmons trade that that seems like it seems like. Miles Turner, Ben Simmons, those are the two big dominoes that are going to fall at this trade deadline. Um, it feels like the Magic are probably going to be nibbling a little bit on the edges of, of those major deals. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just like everybody's going to be, you know, everybody on the trade machine is going to throw Oklahoma City in. You can throw the Magic in the same thing because that $17 million offers the same exact flexibility. And what it is there for them is it may be, all right, hey, we're putting this guy in the trade because we have to to make the, the salary matching math work. But the acquiring team doesn't really want this player because they don't have room for him or he overlaps with another player on their roster or something like that. And Orlando may be able to say, hey, guys, uh, we'll take him. You know, we're happy to take that guy. And that, that could be a way you get you know, uh, an RJ Hampton type player um, you know, in a trade like this where it's, you know, hey, the, the other team didn't really really want them but we did our team and develop them from there yeah awesome uh, that, that's definitely that's definitely something that that could be in the offing 
let's take another quick break so we can say a word from our friends at Built Bar. It's a new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar as part of your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. You'll certainly want to have it in place of a candy bar at the very least. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or just taste downright awful. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? Y'all want the chocolate. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, so you get that chocolate fix with none of the chocolate candy bar calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of net of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. It literally has everything you need. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and will be good for you, that gives you the good energy that you need to get through the rest of your day or recover from a workout. And the best part, there are so many flavors to choose from, from coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order again. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Um, obviously nothing happens at the trade deadline in a vacuum while, you know, like I, I tend to be very compartmentalized and think, okay, I'm in the season mode. Then I go to draft mode. Then I go to free agency mode. That's not how anyone in a front office works. I would be, I'm ter- I'd be terrible at being a front office. Cause I don't want to have these three, four, five, six, seven thousand different things in my head. Um, but what, what should the magic's plan be this off season? Obviously you have the draft pick, which matters, um, you know, whatever comes out of the trade deadline is going to, going to be part of what they do this offseason. It could very well be their big spending in the offseason, but the magic have a ton of cap room this offseason, probably the most they've had either. I mean, the, the, the year they signed Biombo and Augustine and green, that was just a silly year with the, with the cap, with the cap spike, but probably the most cap, you know, they, they, they will have close to max cap room the last time I checked. I don't think they'll, they, I mean, they could get there, but I, I, last last time I, I did the math, um, I had them just shy of max cap room. Um, how, sh- you know, there's already been people suggesting the Magic could, you know, make it, throw an offer at uh, Miles Bridges and restricted free agency could make a, can make a play like that. How should the Magic be thinking about this offseason and using that cap space that they have? Yeah, I think the first part is it really starts for them in three weeks at the trade deadline, as you kind of said, it goes hand in hand because you're doing a couple things there. One is whether it be players or salary, you're really looking at how does this impact the offseason for us? And and if you're looking at the salary side is you go ahead and spend some of that cap flexibility now at the trade deadline by taking on a salary that runs into next year. 
sure, if the player is good enough or the what's attached to that player is good enough, why not? It's certainly not going to hurt you because I don't think they're going to be in a position to go free agent hunting this offseason. Now, it's there's a couple things. One, it's a it's a very, very poor free agent class, you know, extremely poor. Um, but the other thing is they're just not ready for that yet. They're not ready to go. There's no nobody available in free agency or expected to be available by a trade because that also gets forgotten. Right. Cap space can be used in trades, yep. too. Um but there's no one expected to be available that's going to take the magic from worst record in the NBA to playoff team next year. It's just it probably isn't happening for for them. So what I think you have to really your 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 organizational focus, the the, the conversations they need to be having right now in their group is all right. Who are our guys moving forward here that we don't want to put another player over top of them? Uh, I will say right now. They cannot come out of this with a third guy who's really a two guard because good Lord, you don't need another one, right? You've got, you've got enough already um, in that backcourt. If you're going to do that, there better be one or two going out because that's the only way, uh, you know, it starts to make sense because none of them really have the size to play in a three guard lineup as, as a, you know, a small ball, small forward. Uh, so I think that's one of your things. You have to really be very honest with where are we at with Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz? Are we, are they nice players and maybe they'll get back to being more or are they truly, we still view them as franchise building blocks and that's where we want to be. Uh, and then your last part really just kind of comes down to what are we looking at, you know, as we do do this whole thing with when do we want to try to be good again? Because that has to be a focus point of, not saying you got to rush into making decisions and make you know trades or anything like that, but you need to know we're looking at it at the end of next year. All right, then we only probably want to take on salary through one more year. Are we looking at it as it's two years from now? All right, then we can take on salary that runs a couple more years out. And in between all that, you've got a couple other guys who will come up for contract extensions that you got to focus on and really keep an eye on as you're you're managing that. So you're absolutely right. You. You have to be focused on what's going on right now, plus next year, the year after, the year after that, um, without being overly focused on any one of them when you're in the position the Magic are. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think obviously, I think next year, you know, the draft picks, it's hard, it's hard to predict much of the future because the draft, you know, this is a good, I would say at the top, this is a good draft, not a great draft. There's no, it doesn't feel like, at least at this point, there is a generational talent. There's no clear-cut number one guy. There's no you know, LeBron level, like franchise changer that, 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 you know, puts you on national TV immediately. Um, it, it, I think it's still a good draft. I like, I like three or four of the guys at the very, very top mm -hmm. and where the magic land and who they grab is, is going to be key uh, for this team. Um, if, you know, the way I've been thinking about this summer, um, I do think the magic need to make sure they bring in uh, a veteran, you know, you know, just so, someone who's going to be in that starting lineup, kind of like they have with Gary Harris right now, honestly, um, who's going to be bought in with this team and kind of help give this team some more stability and help this team along. But, um, you know, again, I think we have to see what this team looks like as they close the season, uh, whether an identity, whether, you know, some, some clear strengths are starting to emerge that they can begin to emphasize and building around. But, you know, one idea that I, I want to kind of throw, throw past you here um, that I've had is, you know, the magic need to find a veteran, but it might be smart to, to maybe find, a veteran guy, you know, again, I don't know if he's in free agency. It might be someone they have to go grab in a trade. Um, go, go find a veteran player 
who can kind of be a transitional star almost. Um, the, the way I describe it is sort of like what Gordon Hayward's been for Charlotte. They overpaid a little bit for Gordon Hayward, or you know, they, they acquired Gordon Hayward from the Celtics um, to, to be like a stabilizer with LaMelo and keep them, make them a little bit more competitive at the beginning. And then he was able to kind of slow, you know, the injuries have, haven't helped, but he's, which is the story of Gordon Hayward's career, but um, he's kind of slowly pushed, been pushed to a role-playing role player alongside an emergent LaMelo ball. And it feels like, you know, again, if the Magic find their guy, if they believe, hey, this guy is going to be good really fast, we should probably, you know, not, not necessarily speed things along, but let's create more stability. Let's create a, a more of a winning environment. If we can get a guy who's bought into that vision and will be willing to spend the last few years of his prime, maybe being that star and then taking a back seat when our guy is ready, um, maybe that's the path they should go, or maybe that's the kind of player they should be looking at to, to spend this cap room. Yeah, I don't have any issue with that at all. And I'm not saying this is the guy you do it for. I don't think he makes sense for Orlando, but it's almost like what Kevin Love has been for the Cavaliers, yeah. where for the, the down years, he was kind of still there and he was the guy who was kind of helping him along with stuff. And then as the team got better, he's really now he's become their primary backup big man and he plays that role and when they had ricky rubio there he was another guy who helped that along because what you don't want to do is you don't want to make for years the game too difficult for cole anthony jalen suggs and those guys because then what happens is you've turned it into this just isn't you know it just becomes so hard and you don't know what you really have in those guys so you want to get somebody who can make the game a little easier on them yeah i i don't necessarily have a name that I think of for that, that, that pops into mind, but I do think that's a valuable way to do that. And what, what the key there is just don't go crazy. Don't sign the guy to a full max yeah. for your deal. You know, couple years of an overpay, not the end of the world. Cause what's going to hurt you at that point, it's just ownership's money. Right. And as long as it's almost, it's kidding, almost like Grant Hill in the early Dwight years. Sure. Yeah. Like Grant, Grant yeah. Hill, you know, Dwight's first two, three seasons in the two, two seasons in the league, um, when the magic were just kind of figuring out what they had, you know, they, they knew Steve Francis wasn't the guy to keep in that locker room. They moved him along pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but Grant Hill was there. And, you know, I still get magic fans who say that Grant Hill should have come back on a discount. Um, but the magic strategically let Grant Hill go because they wanted Dwight and Jameer to have the leadership, but yep. Grant Hill was still really valuable to getting the team into the playoffs in 2006, um, their first playoff berth after T-Mac left. Um, and, and, and even having a guy like, like a Grant Hill, who's just a stabilizer, like you said, just makes things easier. Um, you know, I often say that with bad teams, it's not necessarily that they're bad players. They're just in the wrong roles. They're being asked yeah. to do too much. Um, yeah. we saw it like almost immediately when Aaron Gordon got to Denver and he was just put into that three and D role and he couldn't argue. Nope. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are better offensive players than me. They can have all the shots. Michael Porter can have all the shots and Aaron Gordon all of a sudden, was this efficient three-point shooting guy. He had more space. The Magic needed Aaron Gordon to be a star. We talked about it incessantly for years about how the Magic needed Aaron Gordon to take that star leap, and it never came. And a lot of that is because, A, they didn't put him in a great position to do so. They didn't really develop him. Uh, they, they, they were haphazard in their development of him. But, B, that was never the role he was probably meant to play in the NBA anyway. Yep. Um, and, and I think that's a big thing is the Magic just have to make sure that they're putting their, their the players that they care about in roles where they can be successful. Yeah. I think as long as you don't put players over top of Wagner, Suggs, Carter, Anthony, too much, the guys who you need to play that may really be part of your kind of next special 
playoff magic team, you're fine. And, you know, it's not to say don't give them competition because I think competition is good, but you just don't want somebody coming in who's going to play 40 minutes a night while your young player you drafted and think highly of plays 10 and is just kind of wondering what his future is. Cause the other thing is that'll turn that young player off as well. Then they're going to be like, all right, it's not going to happen for me here. I need to go somewhere else. So yeah, I, I think, I think it's perfectly fine. I think they, what Jeff green was supposed to be in the last rebuild um, one year, huge overpay of a contract, but it was fine. Cause whatever is for one year think about JJ Redick as the Sixers were coming up. We, they gave him a whole bunch of money, really overpaid him for one year initially. Um, but it was fine because it was one year and you hope that that guy would help lift you. And I, and I think that's something you, you can really do because you're right. You, because then nobody knows to how to show these guys where to go. That's been Terrence Ross. It's been Gary Harris. It's been Robin Lopez uh, right now for this team. So you want to make sure you still have guys like that moving forward that can continue to help these guys grow, figure it out. And it's even somebody that can say something, you know, throw an arm around Jalen Suggs and say, are you up a little too late last night? You know, like you get in your sleep, you're doing those kind of things. Those things really matter. And I don't think those are the things that fans think about necessarily as much as because you don't see that in a game, right? That's not where that goes. You want to make sure that those guys are doing that. to uh, Ross or Harris or with uh, Franz Wagner kind of go. They were the ones kind of calming him down. You know, all right, hey, it, it's okay. You know, breathe, relax, you know, whatever it is with that. And you, you, that you have to have players like that because the young guys can do it for each other to some extent. But it's also like, I'm taking advice from you. You've been in the league five minutes longer than I have. Like, come on, what more do you know than I do? So it's good to have, you know, that guy who's an eight, nine, 10 year vet around to say, hey, I can really help you through through these tough moments. Yeah. And, and I think as the magic learned the last time around, stability with the coaching staff really matters. Um, you know, like I, I, th- I, I think you were you were around when Channing Fry was here. Channing Fry is the best dude in the world. One of the best teammates in the world. That dude checked out on the coaching staff very, mm-hmm. very quickly. Uh, and yeah. co- checked out on Jacques Vaughn's coaching staff very, yeah. very quickly. And everybody um, knew. They he talks about it openly now, too. Yep. <laughs> everybody knew those guys weren't here for the long haul, right? Where yep. now you know, right? We all know Alex Martins is not going anywhere and he, until he wants to retire, probably. And now you know Jeff Waltman, John Hammond are there leading the front office uh, for the foreseeable future. Jamal Mosley's in this thing for, for a while. Um, they're doing all the right stuff and not putting any real pressure on him to win. It's a, uh, you know, I really like that repeatedly. It's been, it doesn't matter. You know, don't worry about the record and you know, all those things. We just want to see growth. And right now it's more about individual growth for the players than it is team growth. Cause team growth's gonna, that'll come as the players grow, but their, their priorities are in the right place. And I get it. It gets a little fresh every once in a while, just for the the, the the ticket holders to you know walk out of the building every once in a while with a win. We've only won like two or three home games. Two home games right oh, now. Yeah, yeah. This home stand's a big one. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to get a couple just so people leave the building feeling pretty good uh, every once in a while. But the reality is they're they're doing the right things. Their their patience seems to be at the right spots, and yeah, you know, I I think they're they're really doing stuff in a very smart way uh, in Orlando now, which is. Not necessarily always been the case uh, over the last, uh, let's call it, decade or so. Since 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 probably 
the summer of 09, I want to say, maybe. Although that yeah, probably wasn't handled probably, great. Yeah. As well, as 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 right as the finals might have been. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the finals run, that's when yeah. it started to go a little sideways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we can have the argument about whether Otis Smith made the right decisions in, in the summer of 09. I do think he probably mishandled his superstar a little bit in trading Courtney Lee as suddenly as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh that's 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 life. <laughs> that's a whole other show. That's me. a whole that's for, a whole for, for different podcast. Season. Yeah. Um so when the Magic acquired Dwight Howard as the third team in the Ben Simmons to LA trade, uh we'll talk about we'll bring all this stuff back up again. Um <laughs> Keith, Keith, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to to talk a little bit about the trade deadline and what to expect from the Magic. Um, where can everyone find you if they have any more cap, salary cap questions or any other off, any other transaction questions they want to throw your way? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. I'm super active on Twitter as uh, as I know Phil, Phil knows quite well. Um, you know, so you, you can find me on there. Uh, if you're looking for written stuff about the league as a whole and trade deadline articles and all that over at Spot Track, um, I just uh, posted in the last uh, couple weeks. We put up Eastern Conference buyers and sellers, Western Conference buyers and sellers. Those are both posted now. We'll have a lot more trade deadline stuff and then salary cap projections. Uh, pre-trade deadline, post-trade deadline will be coming out as well because it'll probably change quite a bit uh, over the next few weeks here as teams make moves. So you can find that there as well as I'll plug um, for our team at Track. We have the most accurate publicly available salary data that you can find anywhere. It's all there, uh, all the views, whether you want single season, multi-season, individual player views, whatever you want, all of our data is there. And I can guarantee you it is the most publicly accurate data you will ever find uh, for NBA salaries. Yeah, definitely. I definitely use spot spot track when I can. That's S P O T R A C. Double check me on that. Um, yep. um I, I I use I use that date. I use that uh, for my salary cap information. So definitely appreciative of Keith for helping us out there. Um, that's gonna do it for us today. I do want to thank you all for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcast. Hit your tune in him like Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey. All the fun places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For Keith Smith of SpotTrack.com, this has been Philip Ross from Mike. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Now. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.